We're back. Look who we've managed to drag in. <laughs> got Blue and David here from Trader Joe. Guys, thanks for joining us. Um, really, really um, grateful for you coming on. I've been covering this myself. Butchering it, I will admit. Butchering it on explainer videos and trying to um, get it across in my own little way. But um, I'm really happy that you guys have joined us to just kind of put my um, shenanigans to the rights, I think. So how are you doing? <laughs> Yeah, thanks so much for having us. You know, it's great to be here. Um, big fan of the show as well. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited to chat some more about liquidity book. Yeah, GM, thank you thanks. for asking us. Very excited for for this chat. Yeah, anytime. I've I've kind of got Trader Joe to thank in a lot of ways for. Well, people might say thank, and people might be like, "Oh God, this yeah. is like the catalyst for this annoying English guy to." roll out as much content as they do but um just i don't know if you guys know this or i might have said it previously to you blue but um the last article i wrote before i was going to close everything down on on block minutes was a trader joe article and it's not some kind of big inspirational story or anything <laughs> it was just i was i was really interested in trader joe back in the early avalanche days and then i wrote an article on it and i was like right that's it i'm done i'm gonna go and do something else I'll be a life coach or some shit. <laughs> um, and then it, it went it went kind of ballistic. I think it just kind of caught lightning in the bottle at the same time that you guys were really exploding. Um, and then I was just like, yeah, maybe you should just kind of stick out a little bit longer. And now, now here we are. So I've got a lot to, lot to owe to you guys, I suppose. I remember that article. I remember it. Yeah, it was very... And I definitely remember how well received it was as well amongst the, you know, the DeFi community at the time. So that's cool. You never told me that before, though. So, yeah, it's, that's really, uh, it's really humbling to hear. Yeah. Yeah. So it's nice to come full circle now. I suppose you guys have completely grown from from where we were initially during that during that time and stuff. But um, I suppose let's just give a little bit of a brief background because there's, I think we've got a lot to cover here. But um, what... Blue, what what is your current role at Trader Joe? And then we can get onto David. Just give us a kind of like what your current roles are and what's kind of day to day. I know it must be kind of different every day, but just to kind of set the scene a little bit. Yeah, sure. So um, my role is marketing and community lead. Um, I joined Trader Joe back in sort of mid twenty twenty one when they pretty much like basically a month after they launched, I sort of came in. Um, and as marketing community lead, I'm pretty much responsible for, I keep this really high level, um, all about growth kind of initiatives, um, content that we deliver in terms of, um, you know, actual kind of copy that goes out, uh, comms, so coordinating that across our social platforms, um, community management, obviously a, a huge part of our role and incredibly important to Trader Joe as well. So everything pertaining to the word community essentially in DeFi, which, which is a lot. Um, and yeah, that's, that's pretty much it in a nutshell. Thanks. How about yourself, Yeah, I'm David so the general manager of Trader Joe. In my day-to-day -day business, I mostly uh, cover what uh, usually are uh, business development and operation tasks. So a lot of conversations with protocol that are looking for support in uh, their journey throughout the uh, seeding of liquidity and management of their positions and internal tasks of keeping the 
keeping the daily uh, tasks running. All right, love that. So um, I don't know who wants to kick this off. Maybe maybe we'll get it from Blue and then from Davide, but can we, can we do a high level of what Liquid Epoch is? I've been using it. It's absolutely fantastic. Um, it's my kind of go-to if I'm going to be um, LPing. I've tried absolutely everything on it. As I was saying, I butchered a complete um, explainer video on it, but I'd love to hear straight from the source from, from both of you. Kind of how do you think about and how do you look at um, liquidity book? And if you could explain that to the audience, that'd be great. Sure. Um, I think there's there's multiple layers of like depth we can go into here, but at a high level, liquidity book is an, an automated market maker. So it's a product that enables instant swapping of tokens uh, for use of liquidity pools. Um, and it, it does so in an efficient manner that, you know, you pretty much as a trader, you're going to get the best rates. Um, and as a liquidity provider, you can also you know, concentrate your liquidity to maximize your assets efficiency. So that's the highest level kind of explanation. Well, I've got, I've, I've got deeper questions. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm, yeah. Maybe from Davide as well. Do you want to build on that high level? Because we can, we can tumble down the, the rabbit hole of, you know, distinct features of liquidity book shortly, I think. Yeah, well, uh, if we talk about liquidity book, uh, we can also start from the beginning of when and why we build it. We were looking the entire past year for what uh, innovation the centralized exchanges had uh, brought to the table as we had realized over time that the old format of uh, incentivizing liquidity uh, wasn't working anymore and users were looking for way to better uh, manage their liquidity after plenty of months of research and great ideas from the quant team and dev team researching all options on the table we came up with something uh, completely new that could be categorized under the concentrated liquidity uh, model of uh, putting liquidity at work uh, in a way in a extremely more capital efficient way than others and making it work as real yield. So having the fees generated by these markets, the uh, all it needs in order to, fee, to be self-sustainable. We believe that the central access changes actually are going towards the direction that they need innovation and in a notion of forks, we wanted to show to the world that the Trader Joe team is a team of builders that can bring something new. And that's why we had been so proud in having developed something groundbreaking that uh, no other decks has and has brought to the space. And this is why uh, Liquidity Book is such a unique product uh, that uh, we are being excited every day in bringing new uh, new features and new UI UX improvements on top because being a completely blunt slate, we can actually bring to the market our visions of how fun and actually granular uh, liquidity management could be in a next-gen DEX. Mm -hmm. makes, makes a lot of sense. 
with um if there's anyone kind of listening who i don't know they might have came towards the end of the last and end of the last cycle and they've kind of just wrapped their head around the v1 deploying liquidity 50 50 um token kind of split what what are the kind of obvious glaring discerning features between liquidity book and like the traditional x times y equals k kind of AMM that a lot of people would have been kind of familiar with and then i suppose the second part of the question would be um how does it kind of differentiate itself from the likes of uni v3 for example um i don't know if david you want to kick off that one and then we lead on to blue if he's got anything to chip in with yeah we can take it into uh we can simplify it into three uh core aspects one is the vertical uh vertical architecture of the uh, of the beans that we have uh, brought to the space so uh, we can say that we have a, a liquidity bean architecture liquidity is stacked vertically into individual bins uh, where each bin represents a price in uh, uh, we can imagine it as a horizontal uh, order book of liquidity every liquidity provider can individually add remove or modify the liquidity into each single bin and deploy any shape or any level of depth that they want into a in a very granular manner so instead of having to deploy like uni v3 liquidity in an horizontal way on a range users can deploy liquidity in individual price points uh, and we facilitate it through our ui in allowing users to determine the shapes uh, they prefer or having complete uh, customization into how much liquidity to deploy on individual bins. And as we mentioned, the vertical staking of liquidity, the position is uh, entirely fungible. So it is not represented by an NFT, but uh, as a token, uh, 1155 style token set. Uh, which represents the underlying ERC20 uh, bins, every bin has its own identifier with, uh, with its own uh, amount of liquidity within it, but the users have uh, uh, fungible positions that can be uh, managed uh, with its full uh, with its full power into any type of DeFi protocol that can unleash this capability. Furthermore, we have a surge pricing model, which uh, to the likes, for example, of how uh, Uber increases the fees in time of I uh, request uh, of a driver, our surge pricing model increases the fees based on a volatility accumulator when there is high volatility, which is represented by many beans being crossed in a short period of time. 
when when volatility is high, fees are temporarily increased and provided to the liquidity provider in uh, compensation to the potential impermanent loss that they could experience in the time of volatility. And then it slowly decays when volatility settles. Blue, anything more we would like to add? Well, it's really comprehensive, and maybe I can just kind of build off of um, you know what you were saying at the start. So, like our research team, you know, they were like already like researching existing clams, um, you know, concentrated liquidity AMMs, kind of pretty much from the start of 2022. And <clears throat> you know, there were three key kind of pullouts or findings that that we had that we felt that we could build a um, uh, a better kind of solution for this space in, in terms of a, a new primitive, which is, you know, now liquidity book and those three kind of key areas. So, you know, as a liquidity provider, um, we felt there wasn't enough flexibility. There wasn't enough customization or versatility with, um, with strategies that could be deployed um, on these types of AMMs. And, and that's why we have a fun, you know, that's why we, uh, built this architecture, this discretized bin architecture, um, because it it keeps liquidity fungible, which is incredibly important if you want to run more granular, you know, higher frequency strategies um, that gives you the customization to you know swap out five percent of your distribution or you know add to your existing distribution. Um, in terms of the trading aspect, uh, the you know. There's still slippage. There's still, you know, a noticeable um, area of trading efficiency that could be improved on, and that's why, you know, as part of the discretized architecture that we have, we can deploy a constant sum um, formula to execute trades, which, you know, means if trades are occurring inside one bin, there's no slippage. You know, there's no impact on that, um, and. An example of this is, yeah, if we have one bin with, you know, 10 million worth of liquidity in there, I come along, I've got 5 million, I want to swap it out um, off just that one bin, you know, that trade would execute with no slippage, you know, with no underlying impact on that price. Uh, so that's an incredibly efficient um, uh, solution that we've got here with liquidity book. And that's, again, only possible thanks to the discretized architecture as well. And then lastly, you know, while existing clams are obviously very capital efficient, um, they're not as efficient in that they are still, you know, some of these AMMs are still, you know, utilizing or having to utilize emissions to, you know, accrue liquidity, to keep liquidity there. Um, and that's fundamentally because, you know, part of the, the fee structure going to liquidity providers is, you know, in our eyes, it's just not enough. It's not enough for liquidity providers. They are the, you know, they are one of the three stakeholders that, you know, have not been fairly balanced in existing designs. But, um, and, you know, we're not saying we've completely solved everything with liquidity book, but, you know, we've made sure that with this primitive, there is more of a balance towards liquidity providers. And how we're doing that is through our novel kind of design, which is the volatility accumulator. It's helping to generate Additional, you know, additional fees for liquidity providers um, when volatility occurs. So that's why there's two kind of two fee components potentially when you're trading on liquidity book. Um, if you're a trader, you're causing volatility. That's potentially hurting the liquidity provider. 
That's where we have the that's why we have the variable fee component comes in. It helps to generate more fees to liquidity providers. And you know, we don't actually need emissions to accrue and hold liquidity on liquidity book. Um, that's been proven. You know, we've pretty much leveraged our entire kind of TVL growth, you know, starting out in Arbitrum through no use of emissions. That's the same of Avalanche. We, we, we barely use any emissions whatsoever to to accrue that liquidity. So, you know, it's, it's gone really well so far in terms of, you know, the three key areas that we pulled out from research that we've kind of innovated on and um, delivered today. Yeah, so what, what, what I'll do to make it a bit more um, tangible for anyone who hasn't used it or wants to kind of, um, I suppose, see the the app in action, I, I'll, bring up, I'll bring up the UI. While I'm doing that, um, was there anything when you were kind of developing this that you kind of blew a thesis out of the water like, or caught you off guard or caught you by surprise? Or is there anything more recently that you guys didn't kind of foresee and, and you know, it's kind of been a positive surprise or a negative surprise? I don't know if, blew, if there's anything that springs to mind there why I bring up this, bring up the, uh, the UI. Yeah, I think uh, from maybe David has a different uh, perspective of view on this, but I think the, what, what we were hoping to see is more active management um, in terms of the liquidity providers that, you know, are going into these pools. Uh, it's definitely been a challenge on the community side for a lot of users to get, you know, to fund, because everyone just kind of knows as, as you know, the 50-50 AM and the Uniswap V2 mm -hmm. fork. So when we deployed uh, this protocol on Avalanche, being the first concentrated, you know, liquidity AMM, um, uh, in the ecosystem and you know not just that it's not a familiar one which people may have used on other chains it's a brand new type of primitive there was definitely um it was definitely a bit harder to get adoption initially from many of the community members and you know what we saw in the early stages certainly was a lot of the uh, a lot of the liquidity providers were kind of just depositing you know um, over a wide range and they were just coming back a week later and they were finding out that the their position is completely out of range they're not earning any fees and they've just got one token instead of two um and so you know there was definitely it was a bit harder in the community to get them behind liquidity but to get them used to the fact of you know they are active market makers in these pools they need to manage their positions uh, but i think that helped spur us on with you know our next um our next product which is uh, should be launching next month, and that is auto pools. You know, it's um, we instantly saw that while liquidity book is a really powerful primitive, it's really efficient. There is a a large amount of you know DeFi users that just simply want a one-click yield farming solution, and uh, and that's when auto pools comes in. And maybe we could talk about talk about that later. Uh, Davide, do you have any anything else to kind of add? Yeah, this was a very interesting aspect, and it honestly. It is not only uh, segregated to, uh, to retail liquidity providers, but also at the protocol level. I must say that for as much as people thought that uh, concentrated liquidity is what everyone sh will, will fork and manage today, uh, what I, I believe we are also noticing now that anyone could, in theory called a uh, fork uni 3 is actually that concentrated liquidity 
DEXs are not easy to manage internally and also for uh, uh, education to third party protocols. There is a lot of education also needed on the protocol side in what it means to uh, provide liquidity uh, in a in a in a concentrated liquidity position beyond the just uh, x times y equals k. So it's a it's a it's a type of protocol that I will say it's very early for anyone, and we definitely pioneered ourselves in wanting to push it so early uh, last year and going all in into something which is still to be completely untapped because the simplicity of a, of a set and forget position is still what the majority of users are seeking. And that's why we are looking into product development to simplify the uh, concentrated liquidity position management of retail users. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you mentioned that it's also like protocol inequality as well. Many partners, they, you know, while they want to leverage the strengths of uh, concentrated liquidity, it, it's just not practical, feasible in many cases to, to manage a position, you know, via like multi-sig and, uh, and stuff like that. So yes, yeah, kind of two parts of important and large, you know, user, user groups that, um, you, you know, just want the, the simple version, the one click deposit version. Mm. Yeah, that, that's, that's really interesting aspect of it, actually. Um, I suppose that if there is quite a lot of backend management for people who want to kind of go ahead and have their own concentrated liquidity AMM, it's, I suppose it built a kind of a resources moat for you guys that are doing this all day, every day. It's not just going to be, you're not just going to see the next kind of um, Shitcoin decks pop up left, right, and center, I suppose, because it's gonna it's gonna be a lot bigger of a kind of mountain to climb for people to actually onboard that. So um, I suppose it builds like a, a bit of a moat for projects who can actually deliver on it. But um, so I'm looking. All right, I'm on I'm on the pools page, right? What can what can does someone want to talk us through some stuff? I'll drive. Um, what are people? What are we looking at here? Um, I'm instantly getting drawn in by the $6 million worth of volume and only $3.4 million worth of liquidity and kind of getting a bit formal there. But um, Blue, I don't know if you want to fill us in, maybe that cover specific pairs, um, what these fees are, uh, the rewards, mm -hmm. how that bakes into it, and then we can kind of click through. And then, as I say, I'll, I'll drive if you want to talk us through it. Yeah, sure. So, you know, just to highlight, at the moment, we have um, a pool migration happening. So we've got our v2 pools which are hidden so you can't see them now and then we've got v2.1 pools which are here in front of you now so that migration started um well just uh, back end of last week so there's a little bit of fragmentation going on um but you know just just to highlight that so first of all what we've got in front of you each of these are of their own liquidity pools the percentage that you see next to for example ETH usdc that's 0.15 percent that is the base fee that traders pay when they swap tokens in that pool. Um, and each of these base fees are different. So, you know, just RBEF has 0.2%. Uh, basically, we have different base fees. It's kind of connected to 
the discretization of the pores themselves, so how far the bins are spaced out. And essentially, a lower base fee just represents a, um, a more sort of granular discretization uh, within the liquidity pools. Um, it's typically like if there's a, um, it's, ba it's basically the, the, the price jump between each bin that is positioned in the pool. We can look at it in the analytics section in a bit, but um, so the, the base fee kind of represents the discretization of the pool um, and the rewards tab is us basically, we are running, it's part of our liquidity book rewards program. Um, so every few weeks we turn on rewards for key pools and liquidity providers can basically um, unlock Joe rewards or partner rewards as well if they're included um, based on their uh, fee accrual over the defined duration. So in this example, uh, we're running a rewards program over two weeks. It started last week. All the liquidity providers there uh, the amount of fees they earn will represent what we call a maker score. So the more fees they earn over the two weeks, um, the higher their score will be. And at the end of that program, they'll unlock show rewards based on that score. So you want a higher score to unlock more rewards. And this allows us to basically, this is a kind of a novel way to incentivize liquidity on clams because we are using um, some emissions to increase the competition within the liquidity pool because what we're trying to sit as uh, you know, stimulate here is to get more liquidity providers to provide more liquidity around the active bin so they can earn more fees. And that's good for the entire ecosystem because, you know, we're, in, we're aiming to increase depth within a liquidity pool, which helps us capture more trading volume, um, essentially. Uh, and then you've got, yeah, volume, liquidity, fees that are earned over a 24-hour period, and then the projected APR. So, the, you know, just to highlight, the APR is just indicative of, you know, total fees against um, total liquidity. As a uh, liquidity provider in, a, uh, in, in these types of pools, you can earn a higher share of fees, you can earn a lower share of fees. So your APR can vary significantly depending on how effective you are as a liquidity provider. Yeah, it's, um, I think we've seen it definitely towards the back end of, the last cycle where you had people just effectively getting rented liquidity because of high emissions. And I'm really kind of happy to see that like kind of base APRs here. If you're, if you're actively managing and doing, doing well with your LP position, uh, you know, that the far and away over what people were expecting or would deem necessary to deposit into like, let's say a traditional X times Y, equals K AMM or a lender and a borrowing protocol test, you know, because all these protocols are effectively taking in money, mercenary capital, farming the rewards, and then obviously rewards get sold so they can realize the profit. But as you, you kind of mentioned earlier, if active management and um, liquidity book can provide a situation where the actual base fee rewards from, from trading, trading alone, uh, you know, really kind of, um, encouraging um, you're going to see that depth of liquidity there so I'm really happy to kind of see the industry moving in that way because we couldn't have went on forever in the way of you know liquidity mining programs that were just being completely exploited from the likes of you know who <laughs> many yeah 
no names but you know ultimately <laughs> like one of the core kind of values that we have is to create a sustainable environment you know to create a sustainable ecosystem and you know part of liquidity book you know the, the design principles that we pulled out from our research is that we we don't want our token holders to really pay you know we we don't want mm. our token holders to to make liquidity provisioning uh, more profitable um, so whilst we don't need to use rewards um, we are kind of tattoo in it because you know ultimately this is the this protocol is only a few months old and we're still trying to grow on certain chains such as arbitrum so we can be significantly more tactile in how we use our emissions and and we're doing that with this program and actually as a liquidity provider if you do unlock rewards via this program you know the actual yield you're accruing is you know significantly higher so we're kind of building up this really strong community called the makers club um, we're in the fourth epoch now uh it's it's highly competitive but the community love to strategy share and you know love to share their success if they are able to unlock rewards um so you know we're kind of growing a community with this as well uh, which is really nice to see yeah it's great so i'm on the eth us i've clicked through so i was looking at i was looking at the the pools i've clicked through the eth usdc pool um can you talk through the the shapes I've, i see the wide shape is is gone <laughs> um but yeah, what are, what are we seeing here? What's what spot? What's curve? What's bid ask? And um, I see you've also added additional kind of customization to curve and bid bid and ask as well, which is great. So um, I suppose if it's the first time anyone kind of listening or kind of watching this, um, it'd be a kind of great induction if you could kind of talk us through that. I don't know who wants to pick that one up. <laughs> Wondering if Davide wants to jump. Davide, do you want to take this one? Yeah, let's talk about this shape. So when we take the approach to UI UX, we always ask ourselves what users might be looking for and how to make it simple. As we mentioned, the capability of liquidity book to deploy any type of liquidity shape is just uh, shortcutted, let's say, on our front end because these are three typical shapes that uh, users might be interested in creating, but truly anyone could generate any type of shape uh, through custom manual deployment. We, however, know that the majority of users have uh, three type of intentions and that's why we have uh, created the, some presets to offer spot curve and bid and ask so spot it's what we could call a uniform deployment uh, into a range uh, as you as in this example we have uh, for example scroll a bit down uh, uh, so we can, uh, okay, we, we, we see here that we have 11 bins and the actual range is left and is, is specifically uh, more towards the left on your range selection. So we have the, the central bin, 
which is the active bin. The active bin is, is the current price. Then users can move the slider. Uh, exactly. So in this uh, case, uh, we, we will have the active bin at the... What price are we at here? Uh... Yeah, you basically one eight, one eight, one eight nine three. Exactly, and basically it's the bin where you have, it's the only bin where you have both tokens and represents the active price. Then you could move the slider uh, of the deployment towards more to the left, towards more to the right, or just perfectly centered. Uh, you. It, while doing so, you are deploying the liquidity that you have of token X all uniformly on the left side uh, from the active bin and the liquidity you will deploy to the right side uniformly from the active bin to the right. Uh, so you could, uh, for example, just uh, deploy single-sided liquidity with liquidity book. You don't need to actually do 50-50. By moving the, slide, the right slider more to the left, uh, you could decide uh, the right. You will basically, if you have the screen a bit further up, you will see that now we have uh, the we have the Ethereum side grayed out because you will be deploying only USDC. In this case, you are basically bidding with, the, with your USDC when the price of Ethereum uh, will move to the left, so will move down and buy Ethereum with, you, uh, with your USDC and participate in the trading activity in that specific price range. Why normally users prefer to deploy within a range where they believe uh, trading will, will happen and deploy across multiple bins to capture the fees in that specific range. Or alternatively, they could with the spot function put uh, for example, Ethereum from uh, $2,000 to $3,000, which is in the, in the future or up. Uh, so we can imagine it right now. And that will mean uh, that they will, when the price of Ethereum will reach $2,000 to $3,000, they will participate in the trading activity in that range uh, uh, and gain fees if ethereum will reach three thousand five dollars of this example it means that they will find themselves all in usdc and uh, ethereum that they had deployed has been sold uh, in a uniform way from two thousand to three thousand dollars so it's also a way to strategically uh, buy or sell tokens uh, in the style of what will be, for example, uh, an order book in centralized exchanges. Then let's move to the other more uh, 
uh, creative shapes, curve and be the Nusk. Curve is a shape that uh, yeah, you click reset probably. <laughs> so curve is uh, is a shape that is more towards what uh, nor what we can see as uh, being around uh, the point of control in technical analysis term. If you think that liquidity will range mostly in the middle of a range, so if we believe as liquidity providers that liquidity will move uh, up and down, but, or, but often moving towards the center, curve is the better shape because deploys more liquidity in the middle and then uh, decreases the quantity of liquidity in each, uh, in each subsequent bin. And therefore you are looking to capture more fees in the middle of the deployment. It's perfect, for example, for stable coins where liquidity should always uh, be around $1 for both tokens, but might move temporarily outside of the $1 range so can capture fees also beyond the the pegged value or for anyway synthetic assets or similar and then we have been asked where the uh, purpose of this range is to maximize the fees generated by a position where liquidity is less deep as normally liquidity is attracted towards the middle point of a range, you might decide as a liquidity provider to uh, bet on the ge fee generation outside of the point where liquidity is the deepest. So by providing liquidity on the external uh, uh, on the external range of the car of liquidity you will generate more fees for your liquidity as liquidity in these ranges is less deep so you will have an higher portion of the of the liquidity generated when price hits that area, so you will generate more fees uh, with less liquidity in proportion. Blue, would you like to add more? Uh, yeah, that was very comprehensive. I, I can't really add much more in terms of detail, but like essentially the strength of liquidity book, you know, one of the value propositions here is it's a fungible architecture where it's fungible liquidity that's placed. So we can do stuff like make it really easy for users to deploy custom shapes. You know, you can't do this in other clams. You, you have to build positions individually, but with liquidity book, yeah, we can let people concentrate via a curve shape. We can give people the option to capture volatility with bid ask. Should we, should we move on from that point or? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. All right, so 
as you say, with like the added levels of customizability, which is which is fantastic. Um, anyone who's deployed on UniV3 and then realizes, shit, I might want to add a little bit more um, of one of two assets in the pair or even just change the position. It's a complete nightmare to get on with. But um, what's the kind of what's the kind of end game for customizability? I, and like how kind of complex could it get or how kind of how could the ui actually look like for me one thing i personally love is um i don't know like a, a preview before you actually deploy so you could kind of pick pick, pick up a like a preview of what your liquidity is going to look like or you have that how, how, you have that now yeah yeah you have that that was actually a new feature that rolled out with the v2.1 pools uh oh, so that. that only rolled out back in the last week uh, yeah, simulated liquidity is a, a huge help for people that are trying to kind of build a shape um, and they want to know how it looks. So yeah, that's the, like the customization like features, which you, you know, you rightly pointed out as well. Yeah, we've added customization to create bid ask and also curve. Um, and yeah, it, you know, essentially where this customization level could go, um, I don't know. I think that's a great question. Uh, I think, you know, the features that are rolled out now have been you know really well received it's definitely in a good place that um, can serve uh, a lot of different strategies with ease which is ultimately what we're trying to do we're trying to make it as simple and streamlined as possible i think potentially end game here could be for the ability to essentially kind of paint the exact shape that you want to deploy so instead of you know oh. using the sliders entering price points um, over predefined gradients you know just having a user basically like you know get their mouse and basically say, this bin is this, this bin is that, you know, just drawing it on. I think that would be, uh, you know, ultimately uh, great. Um, uh, I mean, we, we do have a script to essentially, well, there has been something designed which can essentially do that. It's just a case of, you know, is it actually feasible to, to build into the UX and uh, the UI? So yeah, that I think that would be my ideal end, end goal. I'm speaking as a user yeah. there as well. I think that'd be great. Yeah, the, uh, the bin art would be, off the scale as well. If anyone hasn't, if anyone doesn't know what I'm talking about, if you go check in the, the Trader Joe Discord for the the shapes that people are using in the bin art that they're <laughs> creating off the back of it, um, that'd be real life. <laughs> I've seen some wacky ones where people have just like, I, I don't even know how some people have created the distribution that they have, just like layering, layering on like different transactions and building stuff over. You know, it's, it's, it's great to see that because, you know, it's really kind of highlighting the, the flexibility you have as a, a liquidity provider using liquidity book. You, you know, you can you can get really funky with these shapes. Yeah. So um, we touched upon it earlier, but I suppose with the added customizability, um, as you said, there's a there's a large cohort of people that just want to kind of set and forget. And kind of my question around auto pools is, was it a difficult decision um, to go and just build the Constraint Liquidity Automate Manager in-house because there seems to be a lot of products that are solely focusing on that. Um, I know you guys like to just build a suite of products, like look at the NFT marketplace and everything like you kind of build off the back of that. I, but I'd just love to kind of pick your brains on the decision to, to kind of build it in-house and kind of what the benefits are there. Yeah. Davide, do you want to answer? I mean, uh, no, Davide, do you want to take this first? I don't mind adding on, but... We're gone. Yeah, yeah I, we just like building stuff ourselves. Um, and ultimately, you know, one of the core values that, that we have is to 
to give users the the most efficient kind of the best kind of product um, experience possible and, and and nothing beats building products yourself and, and offering in-house solutions that are combined you know we've we've always done that um, you know ever since we we launched the decks we've always taken um, a heavy kind of UX approach to to make sure you know users can do things as efficiently in the streamlined as possible and um, ultimately like auto pools is an extension of that you know we built liquidity book um, and the same guy is building who's built you know, essentially you know uh, put liquidity book together from a research point of view and from a white paper point of view he's also the one building you know our auto pool solutions um so you know we just you know, we we're just builders through and through um and we always want to you know um offer the next you know uh, the next kind of product experience and uh, and we feel like auto pools is just the is going to be, you know, a perfect solution that layers on top of liquidity book and allows us to, you know, significantly enhance its, its value proposition to give users a fantastic kind of in-house experience that that we love doing within the Trader Joe kind of ecosystem. David, I don't know if you want to add on to that. Yeah, the angle you took was extremely good as often whenever we see an improvement in what we do in DeFi, our product managers and anyone that has some ideas comes up with good solutions that we could create. I think that one unique aspect of the Trader Joe team is that we are all product lover and will build anything that could ever be needed in the space. And it's just a matter then of prioritizing what's really a key product that goes through. But our team is a team of builders. And whenever there is a chance to make DeFi more accessible and a better experience, there's always ideas on how to make it better and then uh, assessment if, if that approach could actually be turned into a product improvement that could be put on the roadmap. So our roadmap is very light into long-term perspective because we know what we, that we always want to ship products as fast as possible. And then it's only a matter of prioritizing what's most needed by the market and end users today. But we always look in that direction on how to make DeFi more accessible and better. Yeah, I suppose you get to build those products out in, in parallel as well. If like obviously there's some great kind of third party managers out there, but um I suppose if you kind of get a lot of feedback, you can kind of act on that with auto pools and build on top of that and kind of get the product in the hands of people and get it's the actual product that they want. So I suppose that's a never added benefit of building in-house as well. Um, what's the, and this might be a very short answer, but what's the, what would the user flow like be like for kind of auto pools? Is it just coming? Will it just be one strategy per pool? Like, is there any kind of insight you can give us there? Blue, I don't know if you want to kick that one off. Yeah, so in terms of uh, strategies that are 
that are on offer. There'll be kind of one key strategy for each pool that we roll out in terms of like our V1 iteration of auto pool strategy. So like uh, it, it may change actually over the coming weeks, um, but we'll have strategies for, you know, the large key pools on each chain. We'll actually have stable coin strategies as well. Um, and we'll probably have Joe strategies. You know, this, this very much could change within sort of the coming weeks or so, um, but we'll be focusing essentially um, on what we view as sort of key pools as our sort of initial kind of V1 strategy, like the user flow is essentially, um, it, it's gonna be a case of, you know, you go to the pool page and you can either dive into auto pools from there, or you can stick with, you know, manual mode, we'll just call it for now. So it's gonna be just really clean, simple experience. It's not gonna be, you know, a cluttered um, offering in terms of strategies. We're gonna make it very kind of direct for users to, to jump into. And all of the strategies will, you know, obviously be, um, optimized and focused on delivering, um, well, delivering great yields, uh, essentially. I can't give too much more insight into the actual <laughs> strategies, but we're leveraging the, the value proposition of, of liquidity book, which is, you know, being able to, um, adjust positions or distributions with ease. We leverage our volatility or Oracle here. So it's a novel design. So volatility Oracle is helping to inform our strategies of, do we need to widen this distribution right now? Do we need to narrow it in, you know, based on the volatility that's being read? So this is, you know, this is pretty, uh, pretty interesting component of um, our automated solution here. Um, and then, you know, lastly, it's so auto pull strategies are essentially held kind of uh, off chain and then they execute transactions on chain. Uh, and this kind of black box, um, strategy kind of execution vehicle allows us to iterate these strategies in real time as well so we can you know position for appropriately for market conditions we can you know exotic you know in terms of v2 iteration we can kind of build in um varying off-chain signals as well not just from what we're reading in the liquidity pools but uh, there's a lot we can do here and a lot we can iterate on and evolve these strategies over time to optimize them so, um, but in short, you know, uh, from a user perspective, it's going to be a really kind of clean and simple offering to start with. Yeah, overall, the biggest needs that them are in uh, by being a concentrated liquidity protocol is to simplify the management of the position. Uh, often, uh, users uh, have to rebalance their position. Uh, once a day, once a week, depending on how deep they go into their deployment and their intentions. And we want to simplify this and take away the need of having to manage their position actively and make it a passive endeavor. Yeah, one-click yield farming. That's basically what I it love is. That. <laughs> got a million more questions but i know we're getting close to the top of the hour so <laughs> um is there is there any kind of features that we haven't covered or is there anything you guys want to kind of get out to the audience that we i might not have asked or um just no one getting close to be pushed for time so yeah i want to make sure i think everything. what's great about auto pools uh is that as a user when you deposit tokens into an auto pool you're given an erc20 token receipt um, so this is basically, it is pretty much like a V1 DeFi farming experience, right? You know, you come along, you deposit your tokens into a liquidity pool and you take that 
LP receipt and deposit it into a yield farm, or maybe you want to collateralize it and leverage it elsewhere. Um, and auto pools will give that exact same experience, which like for me as a, you know, partly a DeFi degen, I'm, you know, incredibly excited to be able to utilize my auto pool tokens um, and potentially, you know, deposit them into a partner protocol that wants to, you know, do X or Y with it. So it's really exciting because it, it just it's a DeFi experience that many of us kind of know and love. Um, and, you know, that's not really possible with other uh, with other clams that, you know, utilize NFT kind of positions and, uh, and stuff like that. So, yeah, I think that's like the you know, definitely the main thing I want to pull out about auto pools. Awesome. So two quick fires now, I'll let you both go. <laughs> Could liquidity book be used for token generation events? Yes. And Estro on other chains. Yes or no? <laughs> yes. I mean, that's on the UI now. You can go to staking on, yeah, yeah. on Arbitrum and BNB. Um, and, and so the actually, you know, with Estro on Avalanche, the fee collector for V2.1 is online. Um, so that's pretty much that's on track um, to start distributing to SJ stakers. Uh, I guess that's kind of well by the time yeah by the time you publish this that that would have started distributing anyway. So I guess it's not really alpha, but yeah, that's going to start this week by the end of this week I think, or maybe the very start of next week. Um, so that's up and running. And then yeah, we we obviously want you know SJ live and kicking on Arbitrum and BNB as soon as possible. We think it's a really cool kind of value proposition of our offering. There are so many of our, you know, DEXs that are, you know, very similar to us that are either not revenue sharing, they've stopped revenue sharing, or they're really looking to kind of um, bunker down and, you know, reduce, you know, potential yield to to these offerings. And, and we've, you know, we feel we are in the strongest position here to, to enable this for token holders. Love that. All right, guys, top of the hour. I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I'm sure you're back to back. Um, thank you very much for coming on. Um, if anyone's listening on Spotify, I'd, I'd recommend going having a little look at the kind of brief demo that we did on, on YouTube as well. But um, you, you ever want to come back on, if there's any more product features, just shoot me a message. Always happy to have you guys on and uh, just say the word. Just say the word and we'll we'll, we'll get it sorted. But um, yeah, thanks again. And um, I suppose we'll speak to you soon. Thanks so much, Grant. Yeah, and um, yeah, appreciate your time and um, thanks to everyone listening in. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. All right. Take it easy, everyone. Speak to you next time.